Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. Data center networking has become much more complex in the last few years as the industry has converged on VXLAN overlays on top of leaf spine physical topologies. That's a radical change over the last, say, five years. And although not everybody's there yet, that's definitely where we're headed. And we tried so many other different ways, but that's where we are. And in simplistic terms, instead of one network with VLANs and some IP routing on top, we now have dozens of virtual networks, each with separate routing protocols and very different security postures and IP addressing information. And the configurations inside of the switches, if you're doing this manually, actually turns into several hundred lines of configurational and code to maintain. And there's a secondary need, there's a pressing need, in fact, to integrate the operation of VMs and containers to reduce the operational costs and the effectiveness of help desk work. That is the help desk needs to be able to see the network in the context of the VMs that it's managing or the, the physical servers. And Juniper Abstra was one of the first companies to identify that operating and the operations of the data center network was a key design factor for customers. They were one of the first companies to come out with intent, get into the market, and then very quickly pivot away from you know, zero-touch deployment to this is the way to operate a network. This is our customers like it. So in today's sponsored show, we are talking to Monsoor Karam about the latest in Juniper Abstra. He is the VP of product management at Juniper, and he's going to be talking about how Abstra delivers on unified data center operations. So welcome, Mansoor, back to the Packet Pushes. You've been with us several times over the years now. You know how this works. Let's go straight into the discussion of what are the catalysts for growth in data centers and what's going to cause them to change and evolve in 2022? Because I think there's a change from where we were to where we are now. Yeah, we all know networks are foundational to everything we do, and they've increasingly become that way. And with the pandemic, it's become obvious to everything. Everything we do, whether it's business or life, we do it through the network. And because these networks are becoming critical, they're increasing in size beyond anything we've seen before. Mm -hmm. And with this increase in scale comes added complexity that needs to be managed. And so, you know, the tools that we had before, mm -hmm. certainly configuring things manually, but even, you know, your traditional network management tools no longer apply. You have to yeah. change your approach. I mean, that's, I would say, one key change. What the, what the other thing I'll say is because there has been this added complexity, there has been a desire at the foundation to simplify things and to standardize. Right. And so, you know, Ethernet, we always say Internet one and it's true Internet one, but Ethernet is now what we're using across, you know, more, more and more use cases. You know, and if, if you had a, some sort of a monolithic or proprietary protocol before, it's being replaced with standard Ethernet. fabrics, standard Ethernet, standard, you know, what we call data center type, you know, yeah. topologies, right? It's weird that, you know, 30 years ago, we were deploying FTDI and token ring in data centers. And now it's, uh, you know, and then in the WAN, it was frame relay ISDN. And now it's just Ethernet for everything. And that, that, Ethernet is not only a simplification, it's also an operational consideration because it just becomes easier to operate everything when they're similar or reduced. Is that exactly you want a you want a cookie cutter approach to operate things, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know, standard protocols like BGP, standard uh, way to create virtual networks, you know, VPN, VXLAN. Uh, standard topologies, leaf spine, leaf spine, super spine, you know, every network is starting to look the same, right? And that's because mm -hmm. of, you know, this desire to, at the core, uh, simplify operations. 
and this is where the leaf spine comes in. I think one of the key advantages of leaf spine compared to the old, you know, three-tier, two-tier tree structure is that it's very rigid in its structure. The two-tiered leaf spine or three-tiered clo-type architecture means that your hardware comes in strictly defined. You know, it's this and it has these connections and you don't fiddle with it and it's all IP routed. So it becomes much simpler and that lets you focus then on shifting to services on top of it. Is that what you're seeing in the market? Right, exactly. I mean, there are some, I mean, clearly data centers, they're being built this way now, right? Mm. You had whatever you had before in terms of the topologies uh, is being replaced with a leaf spine and, you know, for national data centers, large data centers, sometimes you have three layers, leaf spine, super spine. But now we're seeing this, you know, across many, many more use cases. Like, for example, when you think of 5G, you know, you had in the past monolithic devices with proprietary protocols. Uh, now they're being replaced with, you know, commodity servers, commodity gear, commodity fabrics, you know, running uh, clusters of, uh, you know, containerized applications, right? Mm. And so at the end, you know, the applications are becoming distributed, but running on uh what is standard compute, standard storage, and standard mm. networks, standard fabrics. So one of the things I, I think what I'm hearing you say, Mansoor, is that, okay, we've got sort of a a standard, a bog standard uh, physical topology design, leaf spine, and however you want to define that. But the real value comes from that fabric in the, the way that it affects how you operate and manage the data center. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And and what we're seeing as well is the a distribution of these data centers. It used to be that they're just all centralized. But now, for example, in this uh, you know, 5G use case, you're going to have you know, uh, local data centers. You're going to have regional data centers. You know, and then you're going to have these centralized data centers. So in, another layer of complexity comes in with how these data centers are being interconnected and managing you know, the interconnection between all of these data centers. Mm. I think the other part here is the fact that um, people expect the data centers to work predictably. I call it predictability. I don't, people say they want reliability, but what they really want is predictability. They want to know that the data center is up. They want to know if they make ads, moves, and changes. And I think the other aspect here in a modern network is that people are expecting to act, change the network constantly. Whereas before we sort of you know, spent a, a lot of effort to put it in place and then we didn't play with it. <laughs> it was a really like no more adding VLANs, no more playing with spanning tree. It's just got to be left alone sort of thing. Uh, absolutely. They're becoming a lot more uh, dynamic, right? Uh, both in terms of, you know, adding new fabric to support growth, but also to your point, virtual constructs like adding new tenants, new virtual networks, new applications, right, uh, which require mm -hmm. dynamic configurations. And you're absolutely right. You know, mm. what customers want is predictability. Uh, they want to know that the network is delivering on their intended outcome. And I would say yeah. that was kind of the genesis for why uh, we created intent-based networking. You know, the, 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 yeah. the, this, this, uh, this idea that not only do you push configurations, but you know what your desired outcome is and the software pushes the configurations, but then also collects state from the network independently to verify that indeed the network is delivering on your intent. And so we're, yeah. we're actually, we achieve with that predictability that is far, far better than other products out there. 
So maybe walk us through a little bit how that works. I've got my leaf spine design. I've I've created a fabric probably using EVP and VXLAN. Then what is the AppStra software doing on top of that to deliver that intent-based concept? You start by an interface where the operator uh, states that they want a new virtual network connecting these endpoints. That's all they do, right? And once they do that, uh, in a staging environment, what uh, happens is that we verify, we come up with all of the configurations that are needed in order to make that happen. Um, we check you know, these configurations against the topology that you have, and then we uh, know all of the tests that we're going to have to run, right? Like you know, the routing tables, when, what, what's in the routing tables, um, you know, what is in, what, what's there in terms of uh, EVPN, the excellent configurations. Um, and then also traffic, right? Measuring traffic to know that indeed, you know, these EVPN, uh, the, the EVPN VXN configuration that you're going to uh, insert into these routers or into these switches is indeed going to deliver on your intended outcome. Mm -hmm. And mm. once you're ready, you press commit. And then once you commit, all of these configurations are committed into your active network. And then the telemetry collection starts, and then we have these we call intent-based analytic tests that are now running and confirming mm. indeed that all of these tests are passing. And with that, we have ultimate confidence that the network is delivering on the intent and that this EVP and VXLAN configuration was done correctly. But the, I, I want to focus more, not so much on having the discussion around modeling and intent, because I think we've done that plenty of times, that idea of reading the configuration of the network and having a model and then deciding what to configure, what your intent is, and then pushing it into the switch. I think the interesting part here is how easy that makes operations. So if you need to add a new you know, VXLAN to the network, you, you it's all done for you. You don't exactly. actually have to, like the abstract, abstract tooling gives you a graphical configuration. You can even see how many VXLANs are configured in the network, what IP addresses are allocated. And it just, it's so much easier to actually operate the network than to be doing it via the CLI or some sort of Python script as well. Yeah. Like a lot of people that are doing Python and Ansible and reinventing the wheel around, you know, everybody's got their own handcrafted artisanal scripts on, you know, whatever it is. And I, I just can't emphasize to people enough on how much simpler it is to do it this way. Absolutely. It's just a few clicks uh, of a button on the graphical user interface, uh, and then everything else is taken care of for you. Anyone that has configured EVPN VXLAN knows how complex it can be and how error prone it can be. And so, you know, it just does it for you and then it verifies that it's working. That's the bottom line. Uh, mm -hmm. It happens in, you know, in, in seconds, if not, you know, a minute at the, at the most, right? Depending on the scale mm -hmm. of your network. So in, in terms of that operational impact, then it sounds like it means I, as a network engineer, am not necessarily having to go to each switch and do handcrafted configurations. I'm just stating my intent, and then it's up to the system to do that. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely don't want to go and create and you know input handcraft configurations into your switches in today's modern networks. You know, the you mm -hmm. can create a security vulnerability or you can create an outage. Um, and then, you know, who's self-documenting, who's, who's documenting all of that, you know, through software, all of, you know, the other benefit here is that everything is completely self-documented. We have different roles uh, for different operators. And so you can choose, you know, what 
every operator can do. And then everything can be audited, right? So you know exactly, you know, who did what at, and at what time. Uh, and mm -hmm. because everything is being snapshotted, then you can go back in time, you know, like have this time, time machine functionality. We call, it, we call it a time voyager, where you can roll back your entire network at the intent level to configuration that you had before, right? So, so a state that mm -hmm. you had before, you could say, well, I, yeah, I don't like the way my network is configured today. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to how it was, you know, on Tuesday. Yeah, and you can yeah. do that just with the touch of a button, right? Friday Across the afternoon. entire network. Friday afternoon yeah. changes can be rolled back on Saturday morning without, you know, with, with very little, <laughs> little risk. Uh, don't right, don't right. underestimate that, right? Being able to configure five days a week, Monday to Friday is actually quite a thing. Because in for many years you were only able to do it four days a week. Friday was always the day that no configuration gets done in case something goes wrong and spoils everybody's weekend. That's exactly right. In fact, we've had you know a customer, not just just one customer, so many customers thank us for exactly this point where they were able to go home early on the Friday <laughs> and see their families rather than spend the weekend, you yeah. know, making changes to their networks. So there's one aspect of. Appstra Solutions, which is quite unique amongst the major brands, the major vendor brands, is that Appstra and Juniper are happy to support multi-vendor networks. And this includes putting Appstra on top of Cisco switches. So if you've got like a Cisco A deployment, you might even have like a, a data center network running Nexus switches. But even if you've got a network running ACI, it's actually possible to migrate that into Appstra and to reuse the existing hardware. And that might be something customers want to do. Is that is that something you've seen much of? Absolutely. First of all, I mean, this multi-vendor aspect of the solution was a design goal from day one. And yes, you know, as part of Juniper, this is something we're committing to and to keep, right? Uh, so the solution works with Juniper, with Cisco, with Arista, and with open networking, Sonic. Mm. And uh, we have many, many customers that use Appstra on top of gear that's non-Juniper gear, and specifically mm. with Cisco, uh, to your point, this ACI migration is a use case that we see very often. Uh, mm. You know, the customer wants to move away from a proprietary solution that locks them into their gear into a solution that is multi-vendor. Mm. Especially today, which you can imagine with supply chain constraints, you know, having the ability to source hardware from different vendors is critical. You know, mm. not to mention, uh, you know, the advantages from a procurement st standpoint in terms of pricing, et cetera. I mean, that is the promise yeah. of networking, wasn't it? Like the fact that you can use standard protocols right. uh, and <laughs> open standard. <laughs> right. I just can't, like, to me, that's just like such a thing because uh, instead of having to buy all the switches from the same, vet, now you, I, there are still requirements here, aren't there? You don't just let me go and buy any switch. You still have to buy a specially blessed switch which has certain requirements that you can that you are tested and validated with. That's right. I mean, it's one thing if as a network operator, I say that I want, I want to deploy a Cisco-only network because I want to mm. simplify my life. You know, you, you know, it's your right. But then the assumption there is that if you choose one day to go and buy, you know, gear from someone else like Juniper, then it should just fit in, right? Because everything is yeah. standard. It's true, it's correct, except when you deploy a management solution that yeah. only works with that vendor's gear. And yes. This, yes. we call that like the mother of all lock-in, right? It's yeah. just, well, I mean, in yeah. the sense that you would still be locked into Abstra in a way, but you're gaining some freedoms elsewhere. Like all lock-in is a trade-off, as we've said many, many times, you know, uh, but that ability to have any hardware 
underneath an app or, you know, a wide range of hardware from multiple sources or multiple vendors gives you some freedom. I think that's why uh, Appster has been popular with 5G in RANs, you know, like this idea that 5G towers need to have data center style networks and they need to have pops. And that idea of using Appster to do the configuration works for them. Have you had some yeah, success no, there? Uh, no, no, that's exactly right. Uh, we we have, and in the case of five G, the, the different switches you know are needed that may have different requirements in terms of or different capabilities, and some of them require low latency. Uh, there is there are timing uh, requirements on some of the switches to support some of these uh, ultra low latency uh, use cases for five G. In other cases, uh, we need uh, deep buffers. Uh, because of, uh, again, the application mm. that's sitting on it uh, that is bursty. Uh, and, and so, you know, you need to have the ability to source your switches from, you know, potentially different vendors. You know, and, you know, for that, you need it to be, you know, you need to standard, again, as we said, we're standardizing mm. on Ethernet, standardizing on, 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 uh, on you know, BGP, VPN, VXLAN, et cetera. And so, yes, you know, this is a perfect use case for Appstra because, you know, again, we we support these leaf spine <laughs> topologies. Uh, we standardize operations, and we standardize it across the different vendors. So you're saying with Appster, if I've got multiple sort of fabric domains, a data center domain, some uh, 5G uh, deployments out at towers, and so on, I can still run that under one Appster, uh, essentially deployment. Yes, you know we support uh, you know everything from a typical you know leaf spine data centers to what we call collapsed spine, which is kind of the topology that you'll find in a uh, in an any tower right uh, at the at the very edge. Mm -hmm. um, and we support these data center interconnects, right, so that uh, we manage the interconnection between all of these uh, different deployments and sites. Mm. I th I'm just. I'm just so interested in this brownfield migration idea, you know, where people can take their existing, I wouldn't, I imagine it's not easy migrating an abstract over the top of an existing infrastructure, but at least it's doable, right? In an era where getting a hold of hardware can sometimes have years, a year, you know, lead time on ordering it just seems like something that's quite unique here. Yeah. I mean, we, we come in into these networks, uh, they are, uh, you know, could be that they have hardware from different vendors, right? I mean, we mm. talked about Cisco. That's uh, that's a, quite a uh, you know a, a typical mm. use case. Um, they may uh, either either in some cases they don't have any automation, or in, in other cases they have you know ACI or uh, some other proprietary automation provided by mm. Cisco. And so we come in and we have a way uh, using advanced services to come in and migrate them to mm. a solution that is multi that's that is based on Appstra. Uh, and you know this is again they get they get all the benefits of the intent based approach. Uh, they get a mm. multi vendor uh, solution, and in the, uh, ultimately uh, they they end up with a, a network that is operated much far simpler. So some vendors sort of bang on about, you know, the hardware features matter. Like, you know, my ASIC does this, my switch has magic superpowers inside it. Does that, are you seeing that matter much in the market? I know, the, I know this is not an entirely perfect question, but you, you get the point of what I'm trying to make? Yeah, I mean, there are some cases, like when you go, for example, into 
uh, trading, right? You, mm. you, you want the um, ultra lowest latency mm. uh, switch. Yeah, the layer one switches or something. The layer one switches, and Arista has some of those, right? And I think these use cases are legitimate. Uh, but I would say, you know, these are the rare exception. For most cases, uh, what we're really seeing is kind of standardization on uh, standard on you know uh, standard silicon right from mm. merchant silicon right from your typical uh, silicon vendors and you know you have uh, some that are targeted more for the hyperscalers or for cloud uh, deployments others that are targeted for more of an enterprise kind of feature rich uh, environment and some have deeper buffers but you know mm. we all have access to these same uh, chips and mostly you know from a portfolio mm. standpoint we try to address all of these major use cases. And I always have the sense that some of these features matter to a very small number of customers. And, you know, especially the mega clouds and the, the large cloud companies who have very specific use cases. But I think for normal people, it just doesn't matter. The switch performance and buffers and, you know, is really, it's, it's about operating the network. The actual value of the switch itself is only, you know, the, the speed of the ASICs comes down to, you know, do I have enough ports to support the servers I need? But it's really about ads, moves, and changes. Right. I mean, at the end, it becomes about uh, just what is the most cost-effective way to to um, to connect. Yeah. You know, my my servers, uh, and uh, critically, uh, reliability is is really important. Right. They want you know th- th- having a a switch that works well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know from the management solution also comes into uh, it has a role to play here uh, mm-hmm. to deliver a reliable experience because at the end you know to your point predictability is key right I think yeah. that becomes a critical consideration so you know very I've seen you know customers go and try and buy the cheapest gear uh, but then you know as soon as they have an issue with it and ultimate and, and typically they come in with more reliability problems they, they realize it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just not worth it <laughs> right yeah. it's just really sometimes the cheaper gear does have problems and sometimes it doesn't which hurts right. and that's the predictability issue again I'd like that to is the predictability issue i want yeah. to ask about scale um how small scale's got two directions small and large how small does the abstra solution start at and how large does it scale up to you as a rough as a rough idea like, you know, you uh, yeah, I mean, this is a really important uh, consideration. And from the ground up, when we built the Absa solution, uh, we built it for scale. In fact, you know, our first customer uh, was Yahoo Japan. And with Absra 1.0, uh, I think maybe it was 1.1, they deployed Absra across their data centers. Uh, you know, I think it was hundreds uh, of switches. Now, of course, it's thousands and uh, and and in some cases, uh, tens of thousands. Uh, so we've built the architecture from the beginning to be uh, to 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 uh, fit the largest data center so that we can scale with the customer as they grow their deployments. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, that's on 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 one side. On the other side, you're asking like, what is the smallest deployment where we support you know like mm. what what we call collapsed spine, which is essentially one spine connected to two leaves, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> you know, smaller, <laughs> so you still need three switches, is what you're saying? One yeah. nominal spine and two leaves. Uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to remember to see if I can you know if I can yeah. create a, a blueprint here with one switch. You know, I have to ask. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, but yeah. but I'll say you know the the part that is that was also a design goal for us. Is that the the way you set up, let's say, a virtual network in EVPN VXLAN uh, is exactly the same number of clicks, whether you have these three switches or whether you have ten thousand switches, 
right? That, mm. that was one of the design goals. We wanted to make it uh, the operational model scale as well, not just that we support the largest networks. And I, I want to emphasize this point. And you know, to me, this is something that customers really need to ask their vendors about. Because it's, you know, what we see is that, you know, vendors come up with operational models that look really cool when you have just mm -hmm. a few switches. It's, it's a great demo, right? Um, yes. But at the end, you know, right? But at the end, when you're trying to scale it and, you know, now your network has no longer just 20 switches, but you went to 100 switches and then 1,000 switches, you know, it's a really important question to your vendor as to, you know, what are the scalability right. Uh, capabilities of your solution and they fall short even you know yeah. some of these most established vendors yeah because i think the small to big is a discussion because i think the value here is that abstra is now part of juniper it's also good career choices like it's a good resume choice for those people who sort of aren't thinking about one of the you know the challenge of getting people to say i will i will work on abstra is, is not insignificant um, but that ability to scale from small to large is part of that, right? That is, I can start with, you know, a spine and I'll add a couple of leads and I can start building. Maybe I start migrating servers. Maybe I start migrating VMs. Speaking of VMs, let me ask you a question. Does Abstra integrate with vSphere, with VMware's tooling so that I can see where the VMs are? And does the same thing exist for containers and Kubernetes? Is there an integration in some way? So with VMware, we uh, we have an integration with both vSphere and with NSXT. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know with vSphere, exactly to your point, uh, we get uh, all the data around about where the VMs are. And so we kind of have that information plugged into our graph. You know, at the end, at the core of the solution is this distributed data store, which is a repository of all of the state. And it is represented in a graph uh, format in order to capture all the relationships between the state. Mm. And this is how we can run these tests, right? We know, mm. for example, that you know there is an interface on this switch and there is a virtual network on this interface and there is security policy. And this is all the telemetry that pertain to that interface. But then we can also say that this uh, interface is connected to a server and that there are these virtual machines on that server. And then mm. you can start running tests that pertain to specific virtual uh, machines. You can say, well, these are really important virtual machines, or this is a really important application. And I want to know that the network is working well for that application, right? And this right. We, mm. so that we get that through this integration with, um, with vSphere. Uh, right. when, when it comes to, to, uh, to containers, being part of uh, Juniper, they also have uh, Contrail and uh, CN2, which is uh, essentially an overlay uh, solution yeah. that is targeted mm -hmm. at Kubernetes. And we achieve that through an integration with that solution. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask, since we're talking about, you know, fabric everywhere, uh, and we just mentioned VMs and Kubernetes, what about smart NICs, DPUs? We're seeing a lot of effort there to push fabrics out to, right to the compute edge. Is that a place that Aptor can play as well? Right. So there is nothing in the architecture of Abstra that prevents us doing this. Actually, at the end, like a smart NIC looks like a, you know, a small switch. You know, right. in some cases, we've seen it even run something like Sonic, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, and because we, we scale, right, so we can scale to, you know, support uh, many, many of those smart NICs. Uh, you know, we're just waiting to see how the, you know, market evolves, right? Uh, so that we can, you know, decide how, you know, how to, you know, mm. where, where, where to, where to invest. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, for now, we we you know we're still kind of in in a prototyping and kind of watch mode uh, when it comes to. So that. you are doing some work there, but you aren't 
committing to a roadmap at that area? Yeah, we're doing some homework as part of our CTO uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're always exploring these new technologies. We have prototypes. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amorphous at the moment. There's, you know, Nvidia and Bluefield is out there. Intel's got something happen. Marvel's in it. Broadcom's yeah. probably going to do something there. So it'll be interesting to see what the final thing. And the final part I wanted to talk in this section was about security. How you know there are a range of security products. We want to have integration with security products, and Juniper has a security you know capability. Is there integrations there for that? Yeah, as you know, we have a whole security portfolio at Juniper, and that's I'd say one of the exciting parts of being at Juniper is that um, we can leverage all those uh, capabilities and products and you know essentially come up with solutions to our customers that integrate all those aspects uh, and so yeah with uh, with with security uh, certainly when we talk about data center solutions it includes not only the switches but also you know the security products uh, that we have uh, not just you know and, and security is, is is as you know really critical uh, in data centers and you know security teams also always have uh, you know, a, uh, a say right in what solutions uh, right. they deploy, and so having all these capabilities uh, is really helpful. Um, but not only I would say, not only security. You know, we also have MIST and uh, with our campus uh, solutions um, and Marvis, which is this AI ops uh, kind mm. of uh, overarching uh, solution. Uh, and you know, everything here runs standard protocols like protocol buffers, and you, you can imagine, you know, the, uh, the data center solution with Abstra kind of stream data into into something like Morvis. And so, at mm. the end, you know, uh, what is really exciting here is all the possibilities of having all those all those products work together to solve customer problems uh, to come up uh, with solutions whereby you know one plus one equals ten. Mm. Yeah. So are there plans to tie uh, Abstra and Mist and Marvis more closely together? Because it seems like, you know, Marvis and, and Abstra are coming at a similar set of problems from a different perspective with IBM on one hand and sort of AIML on the other. I mean, these things are really uh, complementary, and you know, I'd say just stay tuned. Uh, I don't know that we've we haven't you know announced uh, anything. I mean, certainly when we go to customers and we're selling uh, enterprise products, uh, we're selling the whole uh, portfolio, and you know, we 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 kind of have uh, a unified ap- approach of how you know these things or we present a unified approach of how these products kind of interoperate uh, mm-hmm. and complement each other. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the opportunity here is to integrate some of these things more tightly and, you know, I'd say stay tuned. Mm. So one of the other things I wanted to touch on was like back in the day, we used to talk a lot about graph databases and how Abstra was using graph databases to drive a lot of its process. And it was part of the key differentiators to how Abstra was going to work. Is that still a part of your um, strategy going forward? Yes, absolutely. You know, so we have this distributed data store at the core of the solution. And in fact, you know, I've touched on it before. We have two of them, one for staging, right? And one that is representing your active network. So everything you do, you stage first before you commit into your active network. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like right. with a clone of it, uh, which is you know there for staging and simulation. Uh, and so we have two distributed data stores. Uh, these distributed data stores, they are uh, unique in that they combine two technologies. One is PubSub. Uh, mm-hmm. And PubSub is this notion that you have 
agents that are all connected to this distributed data store. And these agents, what they do is they uh, react to state and then they publish state back. Mm. Uh, and you know, mm. we can we can have a whole session on that, but that's <laughs> critical for uh, the the scalability of uh, the solution and also you know the quality of the solution. You know, at the end, mm. we you know in terms of you know the experience customers have uh, with the solution. Uh, the the we have you know we, we are really pride ourselves with the quality uh, that we mm. deliver, uh, and that's you know uh, part of it is because of this you know core uh, technology we have, uh, which is PubSub. Now yeah. on top of PubSub, you know, so when we talk about all the state, uh, you know, and these agents publishing state uh, and reacting to state, all of the state is uh, actually represented in a graph. Uh, data the database right that overlays yeah. on top of this uh, pub sub and so uh, where graph comes in is that what it's doing essentially think of a graph right it captures all the relationships um, and these relationships are physical relationships and they're uh, virtual relationships and abstract relationships so things like uh, an interface uh, is, you can say that this interface is on this switch and this switch mm -hmm. is connected to these other switches. Uh, and then you can say that this particular interface, uh, on, on this particular interface, I've applied the, this uh, virtual uh, network or I've applied this security policy. Uh, and then, you know, you can talk about, uh, you can, you can then, if you know that it's connected to a server, you can say, you can, you know, program in there, codify in there that there is the server that is connected to, uh, yeah. and then there are, and then you can say there are these virtual machines on the server. So, you know, and then you can say, well, this whole network is connected to these external systems. They could be firewalls, they could be routers. Uh, and then... All of the telemetry that you're collecting, all of the states, you know, the sizes of the, you know, the BGP tables with the routing information, all of that is also incorporated in this graph the database uh, and the relationships captured. And, and it's so, the relationships which are the key here, because I can yes. say this switch has this routing table, and that is linked to this interfaces, and that is related to this BGP, and that and those linkages between the elements of the database, which is something that oldest or you know normal style databases just don't do. You need to be running graph databases effectively to run a networking model because of the relationships between the elements, right? That, 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 is, that is exactly right. So when we talk about, you know, doing these independent tests, you know, these are queries of this database, right? So you can mm -hmm. say, I'd like all, you know, I'd like to, uh, to query all of the interfaces that are server facing, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, look at uh, the, you know, their, their interface, uh, the interfaces and look at the interfaces counters on there, right? And then yeah. you can run a test on that and you can say, well, uh, this, is the, this is what I expect. Or you can do the same for um, routing information, you know, like what is the routing information on the leaf uh, switches versus the core switches. And so readily, mm -hmm. you know, we're doing queries, every one of those tests that we run starts with a query of that graph uh, database. Yeah. Uh, and these queries are, pos are, are are made possible because of the graph uh, But that's also where your configuration management and your ability to roll back comes from. It's because the, the, the states are maintained in the graph database. And you can just put pointers to say, this was the interface configuration before, and just timestamp the relationship as an old relationship. You don't have to delete data to move forward. 
Yeah, I mean, what we do is that we take a snapshot of that entire graph database, right, at regular mm. times. Every time you make a change, actually, right? And, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, all, I mean, this is the beauty of software. So you just keep all of these, you know, versions uh, in there. And so, you know, whenever you want to, you can point back to a version you had before. So, do you see this graph database then as kind of serving as a single source of truth for the Abstra solution? Absolutely, it is it is it is the single source of truth. Again, you know, when I say one source of truth, I'm lying because there are two of them. Right? But there is, <laughs> there is a single source of truth for your active network. Yes, and then we have another one that is for staging. Uh, but but th that's exactly right. Everything is when we say single source of truth. You know, it's it's really profound. It means that everything is self-documented in there. You know, you oh. don't need to keep a you know another you know documentation anywhere else, right? You can have mm -hmm. an operator come in, make a change, and then leave the next day, and whatever they've done has been internalized into that <laughs> distributed <laughs> data store. And is that because yeah. of the agents doing the pub sub model? The this graph database is not static; it's being updated in real time. Or near yeah, the, the agents can be anything from from you know the uh, what we call interaction agents, which is w w when somebody comes in and makes a change through the web UI. It could be the devices making changes to the distributed data store to that single source of truth. Like for example, if an interface goes down or you know there is an issue in the network, or when you're collecting the telemetry, right? All of that is being updated dynamically. Uh, uh, it could be when you're uh, adding a rack, right? Every time you're making a change, either you or there is a change that comes from the environment. It could be the VMware system, right, that you're interacted with, mm -hmm. where there has been a new virtual machine and that needs to be captured. So all of these are agents, right, that are interacting with the distributed data store and that they are publishing new states. And every time you publish state in there, there are a bunch of other agents that are kind of in listen mode and if and they're subscribed to that state. And when there is a change to that state, they will react. So for example, you know, if uh, you now have a new, let's say, uh, virtual machine, uh, and you have a query that is uh, running, you know, a test that depend on the virtual machines. You don't have to do anything, right? That that query will now uh, essentially take that new new input into consideration, and it'll be part of the test. Mm -hmm. And one thing I just wanted to also add is that the challenge with graph databases, and you know, one of their shortcomings has typically been scale, right? Uh, so if you look at your typical commercial you know graph database it looks really great this is another example of where scale comes into play it it uh, it, it it works really well i mean you mm. could have asked me like why is it that you're not using some commercial you know graph database uh, off the shelf right and the bottom line is we considered it but they just don't scale to what we need yeah. them to and mm. so we had to build one from the ground up that scales to you know to what we needed if you're only implementing the graph database features you need for this and you can stabilize it, which is proven to my mind, you have performance too. Right. I mean, the thing about graph databases is because they are uh, generically capturing all the relationships, typically the issue, the, the, the trade-off is scale, right? But again, you know, this is where we've invested a lot of engineering to solve the mm -hmm. problem. So one thing I wanted to ask you, Mansoor, is ROI or return on investment. If customers want to invest in Abstra, they have to make changes to their network, potentially if you haven't got a leaf spine. How long do customers typically find it costs to get something back or to get, you know, is it expensive? Does it cost a lot? How does it work out? I'm glad you asked the question because we just did a, a study uh, that was led by a third-party forester 
um, it's a, a total economic impact TI analysis of Appstra. And they went and they interviewed a bunch of our customers to find out answers to exactly this type of question. And you know, it was it was mind blowing. You know, uh, customers that have bought Appstra, they got uh, their money back in less than six months. In less than six months, they get their money back. And the ROI is 320%, uh, 320%. I mean, these are big numbers. And you know, it's a third party and they averaged across all of our customers. In some cases, some customers are seeing uh, even uh, far uh, higher numbers. You know, we have uh, with one of our uh, customers, they've measured an 83% reduction in their OPEX. And I mean, you can imagine why that is the case. Uh, you know, at the end, you know, mm. when you're doing things with this level of automation, you know, your network operators uh, are not spending their time, you know, with kind of just doing manual toil, right? Mm. They are they can spend their time more strategically, uh, and at the end, it all boils down to operational efficiency. And so, yeah, I mean, the ROI on Appstra is 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 all there. I mean, it's just to, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's 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 one of the best investments you can make from an operational. I think that's interesting because it, it, ROI discussions are often sort of like hardware centric, like I'm saving money on not having to buy X number of boxes. But it sounds like what you're saying is there are operational benefits that are maybe reducing the time uh, engineers are spending on break fix and maybe also speeding up a deployment of new applications and services because you've got a predictable, reliable network. Is that where, is that where the, the ROI well, is coming well, from? Well, they didn't even measure that. I mean, this is, I mean, Preventing an outage. I mean, what's you know how much how much <laughs> price you put on that, <laughs> or or preventing a security vulnerability? We're not even talking about those types of benefits. Mm -hmm. We're just mm -hmm. talking about you know exactly the, the operational benefits of deploying a network in one day. I mean, we've had a customer that went from zero; they didn't have a network to a mm. fully operational, fu operational, fully automated network in half a day. You know, wow. something mm. that would have typically taken them two to three weeks to accomplish, right? And yeah. then it's all managed by Appstra. So the next time they need to make a change, it's just one click of a button that they make the change rather than having to plan it again for weeks like they were doing it before. So, yeah, I mean, we get this feedback from our customers all the time. It's like, wow, you know, I thought... You know, initially when I looked at the price tag, I was like, okay, well, that's real money. But then as soon as I used it, it's like, wow, you know, the return has been phenomenal. And, you know, we get that feedback directly from our customers very often, but it was really great to see the validation from a third party. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to say, Mansoor, that we're running out of time. Uh, so <laughs> we'll probably have to hit the wrap. If customers want more information, they should go over to Juniper and search for the Appstra data center solution. It is a fabric switching solution for the data center as we've talked about today. Any search for Juniper Networks and the word Appstra, A-P-S-T-R-A, you'll be able to find more information there. And of course, talk to your Juniper reseller who would be more than happy to um, instantly rub your magic genie in the purchasing department and talk to you more about selling you this product. And hopefully <laughs> we've given you something. Thanks, Mansour, for coming on the show today. Uh, can people find you on LinkedIn or Twitter? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm actually more active uh, on LinkedIn. Just search for Mansur Karam, uh, you'll find me uh, or, you know, check the notes for the for this podcast. All right. Thanks very much, Mansur. Thanks so much for sponsoring today's show. It's with sponsors that we're able to keep doing this and to keep bringing you content each and every week. As always, you can find this and many more other fine and free 
uh, technical podcasts along with our blogs and uh, writings at packetpushes.net. Please follow us on Twitter is at packetpushes. Find us on LinkedIn and leave messages. Be very helpful if you tell your friends about the show so that we can continue to be here doing this for you. And last and never ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.